Prayer and fasting. It's not a topic that sparks deep discussion and generates enthusiastic interest. Prayer and fasting has become, at best, a last resort rather than a first response. Too many believers downplay the significant role prayer and fasting has in the Christian life. It requires discipline to deny yourself the sustenance our physical bodies demand, but by giving up the physical, we gain much more in the spiritual. Today on Bloom, we'll discuss how in life's crossroads and crisis, prayer and fasting should be our first response. I'm your host, Jennifer Robinson, for July 21st, 2023. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So we are in week three of our summer spiritual makeover series. For the month of July, we have been tackling an area in our spiritual maturity that either needs a touch-up or a complete makeover. So week one, we began with forgiveness and the richness we have in Jesus when we choose to forgive. And last week, we talked about worship, how it begins with a heart of submission to God, His plans, His will, and His ways. And this week, we're uncovering prayer and fasting. Now, normally when we think of a makeover, we think of cover-up instead of uncovering. But this week, it's about revealing what's underneath. So we're going to be stripping away, peeling back the layers I was on Instagram the other day and watching these insane makeup tutorials. Have you, have you seen these? Women were completely changing their look through the power of makeup, contouring and highlighting, erasing wrinkles, and even changing the shape of different features on their face. So if they wanted a thinner nose, they could create that. If they wanted thicker eyebrows, they could do that. If they wanted even skin tone and hide blemishes, they could cover that up. These women could become someone completely different through makeup. Makeup is a great disguise, but what happens when the makeup comes off? What is left? There's a famous quote that says, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. So when it comes to the life of a Christian, you can be a dynamic public speaker. You can recall biblical verses at the drop of a hat. You know, talk the talk, basically. But if you are not consistently walking with God in genuine prayer, depending upon him, listening to his voice, your relationship is lipstick on a pig. So no matter how nice the lipstick, how great you conceal it, at the end of the day, beneath the layers, your soul is starving. Your prayer life is non-existent to minimal at best. And if you are not in communion with God, spending time with him, you cannot be walking in authentic relationship with him. I mean, just think about it. Have you ever kept a deeper, closer relationship to someone that you seldom or never speak to? We have been given access to a direct line to God, but we belittle the vitality of using it. Rather than being our first response, prayer often becomes our last resort. Dinnertime prayers are great and all, but they don't even begin to scratch the surface of the relationship that we are designed to have with God. It usually takes a crisis, a change in circumstance, or a crossroad to bring us to his throne. But God's desire is that we approach him daily, seek his face daily, so that we may be continuously anchored with him. 
I wanted to focus most of this week on the fasting aspect. We've talked about prayer on the podcast before, and if we were to take an honest assessment of ourselves, we would see that prayer comes easier than fasting. Fasting is a topic of conversation that is almost avoided in a lot of Christian circles. It's uncomfortable, it's challenging, and we don't naturally lean to either of those. And most often, prayer doesn't feel sacrificial. It requires very little of our cooperation. Most often, at some point in our prayers, because we are stakeholders in our own lives, we are pleading and petitioning to God about our own desires and matters. So it feels like there is something personal that we benefit from when we pray. But fasting, on the other hand, feels more arduous. It requires us to give something of our flesh that our flesh craves. It's not a default response. It's a discipline. But once we begin to discipline ourselves, commit ourselves to prayer and fasting, a switch in the spiritual realm turns on. Tony Evans once said, when you pray, you leave the physical world and enter the spiritual. And the passport to leave the physical into the spiritual is prayer. And I would also argue that fasting goes along with that too. The food we consume feeds our physical bodies. It sustains our physical temple. When we fast, we are exchanging the physical for spiritual. We are setting aside our need for physical sustenance for spiritual sustenance. Fasting is cooperation to put our physical needs aside in order to expedite the spiritual. It says to God, I need the bread of life more than I need this breakfast toast. In reading the word, we will see that fasting is not necessarily a biblical command. It's not something that Jesus requires of us, but it was a modeled response in both the Old and New Testament. Now, In the Old Testament, we see prayer and fasting as a response to repentance as prescribed in the books of Daniel and Jonah. And in the Old Testament and New Testament, we see several accounts of fasting that were in response to three anticipated circumstances of importance, a message, a mission, or a ministry. One of those examples we see early in the Old Testament is in Exodus. Moses retreats to Mount Sinai to spend uninterrupted time hearing from God. In chapter 34, it says that Moses didn't eat or drink. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Moses fasted for 40 days and nights with God. I mean, can you just imagine? No wonder his face shone so brightly when he came down from the mountain. He had just spent the past 40 days being solely sustained by the Lord's presence. But Moses didn't return empty-handed. He didn't go to the mountain just for his benefit alone. He had a word from the Lord, a covenant word, to relay to his people. Now, I don't know too many people who could retreat to a mountain for 40 days to fast and pray. It's not exactly um, a vacation destination. And I'm pretty sure most jobs don't have a time off category for something like that. And you would probably have some friends and family that would miss you as well. But when we do spend time fasting and praying, God does deliver his messages to us in that time. There have been several times when Jesse and I were seeking the Lord for an answer on something, and when it felt like we desperately needed heaven's response, we agreed to fast together. 
We didn't fast for 40 days straight, but we would fast breakfast and lunch every day during the week. We devoted as much of our time as possible to pray over that circumstance. And time and time again, God responded. Maybe he didn't give us this mighty message to deliver to others, but he had a direct message for us in our situation. We either received an answer by means of watching our situations shift, or we received a word of what would come, something that we could hold on to while we waited. And fasting is one way that God prepares us with an important message. Maybe it's something for us. Maybe it's something for someone else. Maybe it's something to edify the church body. But fasting also prepares us for important mission. An example of this is in the Old Testament story of Esther. To save time, I'm not going to go through the backstory, but I would really encourage you to read through that on your own. But Esther was in a situation where she needed to petition to her husband, who was the king, on behalf of her people, God's chosen, the Jews, who were being threatened for annihilation. But here's the dilemma. Esther could not just approach the king without being summoned first. It could literally cost her her life. So Esther responded by, not, by sending word for the Jewish people and her servants to pray and fast with her as she prepared for her mission. If you aren't familiar with the story, I don't want to spoil the ending, but God gives each of us a mission as part of partnering with him in kingdom work. When we seek the Lord in prayer and fasting, his favor, his covering, and his anointing is with us. We don't dare to walk out on a kingdom assignment without diligently seeking the Lord's face and asking for his grace. The third response of prayer and fasting is when we are preparing for ministry. Now, as we focused on last week, we read about Jesus's time in the desert. While Jesus was being tempted, he was fasting. But the timing of this is not coincidental. This chapter is sandwiched between the moment Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, where is the mark where he was set apart for ministry. He was identified as the son of God to the people that were there witnessing it. And then actually beginning his public ministry in the next chapter. When God has a calling on your life, whether it is vocational ministry or it is volunteer ministry, your response should be prayer and fasting. Because when we give up something physical in exchange for spiritual, heaven responds. When Satan tempted Jesus to turn the stones into bread, it's not that Jesus didn't have the authority to do it. What was his response? Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from God. The purpose of prayer and fasting is that we want to hear from the Lord. We are seeking his direction in something that we are going through, whether it is a circumstance, whether it is a crossroad in your life, whether it is a crisis that you are walking through. We want to hear directly from the Lord. And we're asking also for his intervention as well. And what, what prayer and fasting does is it is saying, I am willing to set aside something that my physical body needs because I need to hear from you first. That is above anything else physical 
that my body could ever want or desire. Jesus, preparing for his ministry, knew God's voice mattered far more in the grand scheme of eternity rather than a quick fix to his temporal need of food. So how do we make over fasting? Well, for starters, begin small. Please don't attempt to fast for 40 days right out the gate. Fast for one meal, one day a week. Choose a day when you know you can really dedicate that time to intentional prayer. You might not be fasting for a specific need, but use fasting and prayer to grow deeper in your relationship with God. It will be hard at first. You will fight hunger and your stomach might growl. I know mine does. But I cannot emphasize enough how prayer and fasting can impact your relationship with Jesus. What you give up in the temporal, you gain in the eternal. Giving up the physical for the spiritual, and God will surely meet you there. Thanks for tuning into Bloom today. My prayer is that you find joy in God's presence. Whether you are sitting in a secluded prayer closet or your desk at work, you would be in communion with God throughout your day, seeking his face and his will for your life. Next week, we're wrapping up our summer spiritual makeover series by getting to the heart of the matter. How do we make over a restless heart? Until then, keep growing and God bless.